Welcome to the inaugural episode of It's a Bit of a Stretch with your hosts, Luke Hansen and Andy Butler. Uh, Luke, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, is the one in the beautiful lighting hat matching his shirt and things because he's well put together. And Andy, whose job it is to do lighting, does it professionally, one of, at least one part of, of his job, yeah. one of his many roles because he's very, in very part. competent, uh, looks like he's crawling out Get of a, a sewer yeah. somewhere. It's kind of, it's it's really disconcerting. Like you could be floating in space and I wouldn't <sighs> know. And anyway, we're joined well, this week hopefully by- Hopefully people like that. All right. No one does. We're joined by Tyler Share Now, Andy and I, while very opinionated and hopefully occasionally wise, do not have advanced degrees in microbiology and immunology uh, to inform our conversation today about COVID. We're going to touch every angle on COVID. You're going to hate us at some point. You're going to love us. Hopefully you mostly hate Butler and you love me. And Tyler just provides the, uh, the facts and a little bit of analysis. But Tyler, we're living through a time where all of a sudden everyone's a virologist and immunologist and we have opinions on social distancing and, and aerosol contamination. And, you know, we're, we're in this space. Indeed. You are coming at this from a place of, you know, you maybe knew something about this before March when everyone else became an expert. What, what has it been like before we even talk about like the actual situation on the ground, what you think, what, you know, how people should be behaving. Is it kind of surreal watching this as like, this is the thing that you know something about and all of a sudden everyone is an expert on Twitter? Like, how has that been the last couple of months? <laughs> yeah, it has been a little weird. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, I didn't study, you know, virology in depth, but just having, you know, a little bit of background knowledge in microbiology. So I've, I, I know a little about viruses. Um, and, and immunology, a lot about immunology, so the, how our immune system works and fights viruses. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been odd for sure seeing everyone else, you know, chime in with with expert opinions on this. Um, I mean, that I, being I, said, I, my expert opinion is now. Uh, <laughs> on that note, actually, getting into expert opinions. Okay. How many more decades are we going to be wearing masks for? Just wondering, like. Do you suppose that oh this yes. is going to be the persistent thing forever? This is the thing. This is what everyone's ups like. They get upset with each other about, you know, it's like um, it's yeah. either you're doing the right thing and you're saving the elderly, you know, or it's like you're making a statement and like, don't tread on me. Like that, that's kind of the way it's cast. Yeah. What I'm curious, there you go. Like what I'm curious about is inevitably there are trade-offs to anything, right? Like, like, oh yeah, you it, it's totally conceivable and sensible that, you know, if wearing a mask, I'm not sort of blowing air and virus out as much as I could be. Sorry, you can't see me. I'm doing a big blowing motion here, but like I was blowing virus all over everyone. Um, but simultaneously, you know, you are transferring the air back and forth. It's like, wh what are the upsides and downsides of this thing? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, masks, we've been all over, you know, the, the, the spectrum on masks, right? I mean, we had, so, I mean, there's been, I just want to start first, I guess, with the, the horrible um, science communication and messaging around this. So Thank I don't know you. If you wanted me to segue directly into that. Sorry, but, no, I mean, perfect. that's a crucial part. I said we needed some context and then I went to like, what do you yeah, think you today, right now? It, yes. I don't even think you asked the question, Luke. I I, but anyway, I tried I to eventually ask a question at the end of a rant. It's it like was, turning it, it around. Perfect. That yeah, intonation. Yeah, good. All right. No, but, but, you, led me, yeah. you, you led me right into it. 
<laughs> yeah, awesome. so talk about that communication from let's supposedly bodies of scientists that we should trust, that we would think this is kind of their thing. Yeah, so this has been, I mean, it's been a whole lot of whiplash here, honestly, for the last six months for me um, and for a lot of people, I suppose, for everybody, I guess, in some extent, right? To some extent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, so early on, we had the WHO, CDC, our own Surgeon General. You can pull up the receipts online. You can find the videos. Um, they all said, you know, don't wear masks. Some form of either don't bother or they're not effective or they actually might might be, they, they might actually be harmful, right? Yeah. And so then the problem with that is you have the general population. Anyone who goes to a, a hospital sees everyone in the hospital <laughs> yes. wearing masks, the doctors and nurses, everyone wearing masks on staff, right? So right. If, they're, yeah. if they're good for them, but not good for us, what, you know, there's a huge disconnect there. And I mean, yes. so just talking, just talking honestly. Let me pause like, there momentarily. I, I, I think yeah. lingering on this point, because like this, this is always part of the conversation. You know, I launched into like today, you know, when you walk into the restaurant tomorrow, like I've heard people organizing some sort of mask off or something, but the, all, all of that aside, like, it, it, it seems that the people and the organizations who we look to to say, like, what is the scientific opinion? Um, seemingly, according to them, we're giving a political answer or something or a pra- like something to the extent of we're not going to give you truthful information as a matter of course. We are going to try to manipulate your behavior yes. um, to what we think is for the overall good or something. I mean, that's like the most charitable interpretation well, that, I mean, of it to me. That's honestly what Dr. Fauci said to Congress. So yeah, so in, in January, that, February, March, don't wear masks. Suddenly in front of Congress in June or July, Fauci's asked, you know, why did he, what, 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 what's the turnaround here on masks? And he admits that the initial um, warnings against masks were to actually protect the, the, the you know, the small supply of masks we had for our, you know, our medical workers, our, our, our frontline workers. We wanted, isn't that outrageous? National supply built up. Should that not be outrageous? Like that, like that, that would be the, the plan by which they would go about things that like, instead of conveying potentially what they thought at least was true, true um, information about what behavior would be best for anyone. They, essentially lied in some sort of meta game to cover their own ass because they didn't have enough supply. Like that just, the idea that we should uncritically trust these people, which is what we're told on a give any given yeah. day, right? Who are you to say the opposite of the doctor, the CDC, the WHO, the you name it. And sort of in general, I tend to think there, these organizations are populated with real people right? These people have kids, like they don't, they don't actually want the world to fall apart. Like they don't want the opposite of good to happen, you know, but some, so I would tend to think for the most part, if I'm talking to someone that, that I think is knowledgeable about a topic like this, I assume that they're going to give me good faith information and that they're not going to be giving me a lie to manipulate me into some behavior. It's like, it's this sort of ultimate looking down on someone and distrust, right? Of saying like, we can't just tell you the truth and say, shoot, we're actually going to ration these to the medical community first. We can't do that. We have to like make up some. So, and this is taking at face value that they were lying and that they didn't somehow just decide that masks were magic in the meantime. And I'm kind of curious about that. Like, <laughs> like, like 
Do you think that it was a very explicit lie? Like they knew damn well that if we were all wearing masks, we would slow the transmission, but they wanted more for doctors. Or do you think um, that they were potentially partly telling the truth and that the story has changed since then for political reasons? I, I think, that was a very I, long, I almost, convoluted question. I almost always think the truth is somewhere in between both sides. Okay. Right? So, yeah. So I think, I mean, I think reasonable people um, can agree that there's, there's a spectrum of, of efficacy for masks, depending on the material and how you wear them and how well they form fit your face. Right. So, mm-hmm. so cloth masks, probably not as good gaiters apparently, which is what I wear because it's more comfortable. Uh, <laughs> neck gaiter, not as good as a mask. Not, and those aren't as good as surgical masks, which aren't as good as N95s, which aren't as good as an actual respirator or a full body suit, right? Um, yeah. So you have, you have a spectrum. Astronauts right? yeah. are the most yeah. compliant. You know, like the, uh, the Ebola biocontainment, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So you have a full spectrum here. So I, I think there's some truth to, to you know, masks maybe, cloth masks maybe not being super effective. Um, but but <laughs> the, 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 the fact that, that the communication just, uh, you know, not not even wasn't nuanced it was it was it was really just a lie and it might have been a, a, a white lie to try to because mm-hmm. I, I think there we were we were really low on pp i believe that we we basically got caught with our pants that, down as a nation yeah no one but on, that's on all, all, i mean that is somewhat separate to me <laughs> yeah that's separate from like the point is like i think is the lie like and there's something to be said for like honestly you don't need a mask. Like it's probably better to stay away from people than to just wear a mask. Cause it isn't just magic. It's a way of ideally like lowering the, you know, diameter or whatever yeah, radius yeah, from you that yeah. someone else needs to be. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that whole thing and this idea of tr- sort of trusting the experts, oh, I think a whole bunch of the political commentary right now and a lot of the talk in the world, Andy, I'm curious if you're taking this is about, Hey, dumbass. Listen to the people that know something. And there's something to be said for that. We can't all be experts in everything. The world's complicated. I don't know about a whole lot of different things. So I listen to people who do know about those things. And I, not, not that I take it for granted, but I, I, I want to believe that they also want what's good and that they're going to you know, more or less tell the truth. And if you're trying to say, if part of your message is going to be, hey, you've got to listen to the experts, then it's important important that the experts maintain an integrity to be heard oh, yeah and yeah, yeah right when a pandemic is happening is not when you want to start distrusting all sorts of public health officials because they manifestly were lying to you one month ago yeah. right yeah oh yeah and and that's what's happening now like part of this whole conspiracy like thing like there's a whole bunch of you know dumb conspiracies on every side of everything and they're yeah. fueled by the fact that you can find bold-faced, obvious lies, and then people take that and they start going down some path and then they've concocted usually a quite ludicrous story. I was just going to say like, that... What do you that, make of this, Butler? Well, I was just going to say that that sort of leads in... We might have to like look this up to be sure like exactly what he said, but the whole like Trump quote you know, in that Wood, Woodward thing that came well, out where oh, he yeah. talked about how he understood the severity of coronavirus at the beginning of... The whole thing and yeah you know he said he wanted to in the messaging he wanted to prevent uh you know panic i think that's bait that's you know what he said he, yeah he version it's but, i mean and as and, most yeah. things trump says that strikes me as being ludicrous like 
he was the one who was like totally got it in January. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't <laughs> who know. Knows? I'm not. I mean, I, I, I that could be not that I would put it past Trump. Like Trump is basically always manipulating. Like if he tells the truth, it's. I would assume it's largely as yeah, part of he's an accident he's of a larger a narrative that he's but that, trying my, to. My read on it was my read on it was like that information wasn't supposed to come out for a while. But if he's giving the interview, he's not he's probably not dumb enough to, you know, just. But it Mm. seemed pretty damning to me, you know, like so whatever you just I I feel like I heard this. And yeah, what I what I remember thinking was. okay, that's Trump trying to be like, no, I wasn't caught flat footed. I knew what I was doing. But it's like him stepping into a bear trap where him going, oh, I totally knew what I was doing is the actual trap. Like he thought he was stepping out of the trap of like, you idiot, like you're totally just clueless here. And he was like, no, no, I knew. And yeah, I just I mean, wanted to make sure that we did the smart. And, and then they were like, no, you you did know. And the, they sprung the next level trap on him. So it, my guess is that's what it sounded like the first time I heard it was him doing his standard kind of bullshit thing. Yeah. And well, then kind of randomly walking into the other thing. Now, that could be, I'm curious, Tyler, what do you think about this? Do you think Trump all along, you know, he was really, he knew what was going on, but he was trying to like, I don't know. Prevent panic. That's what he Prevent said. Prevent panic? Yeah. Like what, what, yeah. what's your so take on it? To some extent, I buy that. Honestly, maybe surprisingly, I didn't vote for Trump. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Trump. I'm an, I mean, I'm an academic to some extent at heart and just his like, just the way he communicates irritates me. Like it just—it's. I mean, I, I'm used to giving presentations where we, you know, we a scientific presentation. It, we, we couch every yeah. statement in, and you know, what ifs and and maybes and nothing. We we communicate is 100. We're 100 certain of. And he just goes out there and just—it's hmm. a whole different communication style. I mean, he's he's yeah. Obvious, that's extremely to, charitable way of putting it. Because look, I I will get di- objective truth here. He's he, he is almost manipulative with everything he said well, he has he has a purpose for what he's saying he's also i think uh, i mean you know for all the all the people pointing to um biden's uh appearance of early onset dementia at this point i, mm-hmm. I mean trump i think is suffering from from some some mental lapses as well here at this point too so I, i'd rather not have two um septuagenarians going at it here for the presidency it, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's very well I totally, that's what you got uh, <laughs> yeah which one do you want um that is i don't know with trump there it is be, talking you know communication style to me it's it is an indictment of this country and our society that trump is president like whether you think he's better than the other than hillary or not like it's part of the indictment is that you he ran against hillary clinton and now he's running against joe biden like that's I didn't vote for hillary part either, of the problem <laughs> hey I, fair enough like i that's i think i might have voted for them I, I i can't yeah i believe i voted for johnson last time um i think that's happening anymore the point is Gary? Oh, are you talking oh, about Gary? Gary? I don't know. Gary, it's just like, what, what a pointless thing to do. Like, what is worth less than showing up and voting for Gary Johnson? You know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Not, not much voting? is worth less than that. <laughs> no, that's actually, I'm taking less risk. I'm just sitting on my couch so, chilling. So, so just to play podcast. really, really briefly, I, I watched yeah, a lot of it. Trump's, I watched a lot of his, um, his, his COVID communications from the White House or his press conferences. And, I could tell pretty early on that he, I, I felt like he, I could understand the game he was playing. And I did feel like he was trying to, 
to to you know uh um uh relieve panic i guess and, and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean there, there there is a scenario right i mean there, there's an alternate reality where this is as bad as everyone thought it was and instead right. of having race riots break out all summer long we had we have actual people starving and we have riots mm-hmm. because everyone's you know starving so we're, we're dying reading. or you know like yeah i there, mean there, like if it were yeah. the case that it had an ifr of like three to six percent a fatality rate yeah. uh yeah. sort of the grand scheme and that like that was like which is you know, seemingly 10x at least the yeah. fatality rate yeah, at least. Um, yep. and that it kept spreading at the pace. Like at that time it was spreading in China, it was spreading in Italy, Spain, you know, know what big to cities, out of, especially out of China's data. We had no clue what to believe out of them. Yeah, Italy looked like it, it was going to like, everyone was going to die. You hear these stories about them having to do. Yeah, you're just reading terrible stories out of there every day. Doctors and nurses to, to treat everyone. People were just, they had to make decisions on if you're a male over 45, you don't get treated basically. Like you have to prioritize the women and the children in Italy. It's crazy stories. So yes. No, it yeah. was, that was a, that was a scary time. And if that would have, yeah. you know, continued on, that would have been very bad. And, and I mean, I don't know that it, it seemed like everyone kind of moved late. Like I remember being very cautious at first. You're looking at the yeah, map, I was, hearing the yeah, stories. I was legitimately afraid at first. I mean, yeah. not afraid, but like, I, I was like, scared. No. Well, I mean, I didn't want to get sick. I didn't want to get anyone else sick. Indeed. So if and that's I was fear, also then fine. Afraid. Was no, it it, it was very yeah. sensible to be cautious yeah. in the face of uncertainty yeah, no. with a very potentially large downside. I mean, guys like Nassim Taleb yeah. talk a lot about this, like big time yeah. tail risk that like these yep. things can like really grow out of control, and that they have this like yeah, there's risk of ruin and of dying, you know, like the ultimate losing in a sense. And you don't, you you need to be very careful in light of things that have this type of uh, downside risk compared to just things that are kind of bad. Like, yes, a lot of people die in car accidents, but car accidents can't like metastasize to 10 or 100 X. Like, exactly. It's like every time someone gets in a car accident, the next person is not more likely to get into a car accident than they were you know, yeah. at least hypothetically. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just not even a good comparison, if you ask me. But you're right. That yes, virus. <laughs> but people have tried to use not that. Ideal. Right? But, yeah. Well, like, look, there, there's some sense. For example, right now, I'm I'm looking at the number. I'm looking at this chart, and it's like doubled from last week in caseloads. Yeah. Right. And so I'm trying. There is a sense of making exactly. That's something we should talk about case case counting because let's do talk about that. It then. If we Tyler, if we were counting, let's say, deaths and or hospitalizations. And, and, and it was basically like, hey, let's go down to St. Elizabeth to Jill, who's outside. Jill, you're outside St. E's. What's it like over there? Well, there's seven people here with COVID. Um, this is one of them, Tom. Hey, Tom. Well, you know, they talked to Tom. Like, it'd be like, okay, you know, seven people in town are in the hospital or something. And we'd all be like, all right, whatever. But I want to know, I want to know uh, Tyler's thoughts on that because I think he's got he's got yeah exactly so what is it is it how many people have it is it how many people are in the hospital is it how many people dying what do you make of these different statistics that we should be following which ones matter well so i mean i guess the first thing i would say is the there's a whole lot of flaws to the case counts anyway so i mean i the the obviously the 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 more 
salient stats would be hospitalizations and deaths. That, that gives you an idea of how, you know, how bad it is, right? Um, uh, and then case counts, if we had a really accurate, precise way of measuring case counts, and we all agreed on a way to do it, and we didn't just have, you know, emergency use authorizations from the FDA to 30 different companies to do it 30 different ways, um, case counts would be a little bit more of, of a reliable number, but it's not. There isn't a standardization for, for, for doing these diagnostics. So um, you, you, you maybe saw the publication. So the uh, New York Times picked it up, but it originally came, I think, out of a, a German outlet um, discussing, for example, the PCR diagnostic. I don't want to get super nerdy or detailed here, but the PCR test they're running in Germany, which I believe is pretty standard for, for all of Europe, um, actually was much less sensitive by like a thousand times less sensitive than the, than the PCR tests we're running in the U.S. So if you go mm. look at, or maybe it's a hundred times, I might be off yeah, there. They're, but they're talking about revolutions or something, or not revolution, but the idea cycles. that like your yeah, yeah. cycles, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, so was theirs at like 30 cycles growth. or something? So yeah, I think theirs were 30, ours were 40. But I mean, you, you know, when, when it's exponentially growing, you add Do you know what a cycle is? What does that mean? 10 so cycles. Just, so, yeah. So for like, to be like cycle, part kind of nerdy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so if you start with just, you start with just two, two units of, of RNA, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and you amplify that 30 cycles, you'll end up with, if my math is right, somewhere around a, a, a billion units, you go up to 40 cycles and now you're at uh, 10 to the 12th units. So you're, that's like a thousand times more units. <laughs> so, okay. so, oh, so the, interesting. The, the point, so the point of the New York Times, so kudos to the New York Times for actually doing a good job reporting on this. The, the, the point of their reporting and that German outlet reporting was that about 90% of the cases that we were catching here and calling cases, which are, you know, honestly all asymptomatic anyway, they weren't even catching them at all in, in Germany and most of Europe. So if, uh, if you go to any, any sort of, any sort of, if you want to validate this, just go to like, you know, was what, it 90%? Yeah. So, so just go to like any, any mm. um, online wow. uh, COVID numbers. I, I use world health meters. COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just go there. If you, if you look at their numbers per million population, so per, per uh, uh, pop, um, You'll you'll see that that Germany is about I think a hundred times less than us. So it's a you know it it basically lines up with the numbers we had and they had. The explanation and the differential is our testing was that much more. We, we were catching a bunch of asymptomatic people basically that don't need to be caught there. And so I mean if you want to get into this is where you know when I saw the publication I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. Sorry you can no you're doing fine. I'm looking on, at this. But, chart right now when i saw the public so i this the the landmark publication that got me from you know that shifted my my mind from being super worried about this still during you know the period where all of us were kind of unified and doing that national lockdown very serious about it right um and got me into thinking maybe this isn't going to be as big of a deal as we're all afraid of uh was was this 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 publication in i believe cell so it's a ma the magazine cell um, and it showed that there were uh, that they demonstrated cross-reactive T cells. So, so T cells part of your adaptive mm -hmm. immune response. And what they so this the, the point of the study was actually trying to 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 try to um, identify good targets for vaccine candidates. And what they discovered was they thought they had basically a control population of people who hadn't been um, infected, who hadn't been exposed yet. And that control population had a lot of T cells that, that were already reactive to SARS-CoV-2, to COVID. So, so, they, so the, the, the takeaway was 
wait a second, these people haven't been, at least they were asymptomatic if they were exposed, but as far as we're aware, they haven't been exposed at all. They don't have antibodies. They have no evidence of having had the infection yet. So right. the, the hypothesis then is they had a prior common cold caused by a cousin, a different coronavirus that resulted in them developing T-cell immunity, effective immunity to this novel coronavirus. Can you talk a little bit about the difference there? Because I want to understand that better. Um, the difference between, let's say, like true immunity, which is that your body has these antibodies built up, ready to fight. Like it already built the army in a sense. The way yeah. I've either heard it or I've probably actually made this up in my head is that, you know, antibodies are when your body has built the arm, army. But if you have this T-cell immunity, your T-cells recognize them, it's almost like you've already built the factories to build the antibodies. You just have to build the antibodies. Uh, is that close to accurate? You know, <laughs> just, I mean, there, so you there, just nod really, and smile. They're, they're really just different facets of the immune response. So we have a lot of these overlapping, you know, thankfully, evolutionarily, a lot of these overlapping responses that can kind of cover each other's butts. Okay. Um, you have, so... You, you have B cells that produce antibodies. You, you have T cells as part of your adaptive immune response as well. They, so you have two different types of T cells, CD4s, which basically are like the, you know, they, 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 they signal to other parts of your immune response. You have CD8s, which are kind of your snipers. Um, so, so having, yeah, so I mean, what's been underappreciated, and this publication in itself came out in April. It's been validated now with Science and Nature publications. Um, that came out June, July, August, and no one's really reporting on this to a large extent yet. I think maybe the Times picked up on it, maybe recently. Finally, it's been out since April. Uh, so the, the the main takeaway is that um, uh, where, where where we all thought that we started off with, you know, a novel virus, the general mm -hmm. population basically is at zero percent effective immunity for a novel virus. That's where we thought we were starting. That was our baseline. Right. Yep. It turns out we were we were probably somewhere between. 30 and 50% already uh, of the population already having effective immunity just because we all caught common colds in the last year or two. And we still had memories. Yeah, because this is a in the family of these other coronaviruses. Now, relate, okay, yeah. that's what are the, some of the implications of that? Because I've heard that, you know, it's usually you're thinking to catch, to get to herd immunity, that you're going to 60 or 70%. Uh, like infection rate. And then like, you kind of hit this point where it becomes harder and harder for that virus to spread because too many nodes yeah. or people are already immune. How does Basically, this change yeah. it? Do we just bump that, like, you know, subtract the, the existing T cell immunity from like the 60 or 70%. And that is the amount of people that need to get this virus before we have herd immunity. Like, do you, do you feel good about that assessment or am I misreading it? No, that's basically it. Now that number is going to vary, you know, in different parts of the world. I mean, it's already, I think you can already observe just by, you know, case counts and actually by the severity and a lot of, a lot, a lot of uh, Asian countries, for example, where they, where, where coronaviruses are more prevalent, they haven't had nearly the outbreak. Right. So, I mean, th 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 those countries also did some pretty extreme lockdowns too. And as they've started to open up, they've had some increase in case counts the last month or two as well. But, you know, places like Japan were almost supernaturally um, on hit early on. Um, yeah, and the it, Japanese it, are very clean. They really well, have their, they're put together. And, they and are very they, clean, yeah. And maybe they have more coronaviruses on average. I mean, there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of different theories here too. Um, the okay. other big implication that we're not taking, a lot of people aren't taking into consideration, and that was the point of this initial cell publication. You know, so... Vaccinations, the, 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 
the original vaccination was done by by Edward Jenner. You know, the smallpox cowpox story. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I mean, he he basically he made this you know brilliant scientific observation that milkmaids uh, weren't getting infected with smallpox, and, and so he he deduced that it was because they're getting exposed to cowpox. And it wasn't causing any sort of illness in them, but it gave them some sort of what's called a, a correlate of protection. It gave them some sort of protection. Uh, yeah. So he he did the test on an actual person. He took cowpox and infected, I believe, like his gardener's boy, like eight-year-old boy, this injected cowpox directly into that dude's bloodstream, into that kid's bloodstream, and then exposed the kid to smallpox. <laughs> and the kid survived. So that's that was- what you call a challenge trial. I mean, we yeah. can't even get what fifty people to pay him each a thousand bucks to research catch was COVID a little or whatever. This guy's okay. putting his nephew on the line. I mean, back when scientists were brave. Anyway, yeah, uh, not exactly an ethical study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not ethical. no, it's not. <laughs> so the, uh, the 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 big takeaway though is we could potentially instead of having to come up with this fancy new vaccine, we could potentially just vaccinate people with common colds and they would be immune to coronavirus. That's a huge, hmm. that's possibly a huge thing. No one's really talking about it. So, okay, that wow. leads into this perfect area of vaccines, herd immunity, the idea that, you know, I think a lot of what's frustrating is we seem to be moving without a coherent strategy, right? And then even, you know, Trump could be, per, he could potentially be um, choosing the best possible strategy and it still would be like, widely yeah, hated and argued because of the nature so, of politics. Now he's clearly well, not his, doing everything right. No, his, I mean, his, like his whole life's sort of lived on the edge of chaos to some extent. This is, it's, it's an, in, it's, it's an absolute disaster of a scenario to have the, the chaos president in charge. A hundred percent. And the, 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 there's a time when you need sort of humility before the war, like, you have to approach something this with humility and knowing that like, okay, this isn't going to fit into all the ideological buckets that you want something to fit into. You need to look at the world. You need to look at the evidence. You need to be open to change. Those are not things that describe Trump's day-to-day behavior. But again, I don't, this, I don't want this to be about Trump because it's not. There's actual oh, things that we totally could know here. Yeah. And also, one of them being this idea, <laughs> this idea of a, of a vaccine. From what I understand, there aren't vaccines for the common cold, for SARS, for MERS. I mean, do we have vaccines for any other coronavirus that leads us to believe that we're going to whip one up for this coronavirus? No. Are there existing? So that seems to be outrageous that our part of our strategy could be to wait until we have a vaccine for this coronavirus, which is related clearly to the rest of these coronaviruses. Yeah. When we don't have vaccines for any of them, and we've had them for a very long time, uh, plenty yeah. of time to develop vaccines for them. Uh, so there's that. Then it's okay. If we can't like sort of reliably wait for that, how do we get to this herd immunity in the most responsible way? And I don't feel like anyone's having that conversation. Sorry. I mean, I'm asking questions. I'm answering questions. What about this vaccine? Uh, what, what, what is, what is your level of hope that in some reasonable amount of time, we're going to have an effective COVID-19 vaccine? I've got, so I've got two, there's two ways I look at this and I've been looking at this both ways for, you know, for six months. Um, so, uh, first, I mean, it takes years to develop a vaccine. The, the, the hurdles you have to overcome to, to prove that it's, that it's effective. And then most importantly, that it's safe. I mean, so when you think of just like a normal therapeutic, someone already has the illness. So you're just, if you can prove that it's safe, 
you, you, especially if it's like a deadly illness, if you're, if you're coming up with a new therapeutic for, for a, a terminal cancer, for example, you prove it's safe. You can basically put it in people at that point. They're dying anyway. I mean, it's not, you know, it's mm-hmm. not quite, you have, you have a little bit of some, some ethical concerns and some regulatory you have to get through, but not nearly as much with a vaccine. You're potentially giving someone an illness or a disease or something that has side effects. They all have, you know, potential mm-hmm. side effects. They're the, the person's healthy before you give it to them. So that level of, of hurdle, that's a much larger hurdle to overcome. It's why it takes years. And um, it's, I mean, the, the, the vaccine program being called, you know, warp speed, I think is what the president called it. It does not engender yeah. um, confidence uh, when it's a technology that you want to be, you know, at, at first very safe. Um, you have, so you know, how you, do you, you think to- that like that, that conversation goes with like Trump and whoever's working on the, the vaccine? Like, do, <laughs> is he just Speed like, you guys working on it? <laughs> so, so this is really doing interesting. It? <laughs> yeah. Trump's version of are like, we there I, yet? He's in the backseat. I just like, I think <laughs> it's uh, no absurd. technology works at all. Yeah. yeah no clue. Uh, that's he just wants it done tomorrow to help mm-hmm. his campaign, right? His reelection. So, so here's the funniest. So here's the second way I look at the vaccine, you know. Yeah. Discussion. And this is probably the, it's the most depressing, maybe actually. It's funny. It's depressing, whatever. Um, if, if you look at national polling on vaccines, uh, as early as, you know, March, April, May, uh, somewhere around 30% of the country was, was hesitant to take it. They, they, at a minimum, yep. they didn't want to be the first people to take it. And for legitimate reasons, we're, we're extremely sensible. <laughs> yeah. We're fast tracking like yeah, unproven technology. Uh, a vaccine yeah. is something that we've never been able to successfully create a vaccine for. So yeah, uh, yeah. sensible. Right. Okay. And now, and, and now yeah. that, that Trump is in, you know, full, full bore vaccine by November mode. The other, there's another 30% of the country who absolutely hates Trump, who's, who's now found themselves uh, in league with anti-vaxxers. So we have like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the weird bedfellows that you get on these political like uh, crusades, it's constantly yeah. changing. Like yeah. we're all- uh, so, what, be... so, so, I, so what would you say, um, uh, you know, about the vaccine, just as somebody who has a better grasp of what's going on than probably a lot of the- population yeah do you i mean do you think that this is an amount of time that you can prove something safe like i mean is six months long enough for like enough to see problems not even six months a few months for a problem with a with a uh, treatment to manifest itself i mean that i mean this is hypothetically why some you know fda testing and these type of things takes years to go through the process like time in many cases is a part of the security or safety model in that you just need time to see effects i know this is a aside in the financial industry like time for bank transfer all of this stuff adds to the actual security of the system quite often um what what you know do you think it will be enough time to to reliably say um, this is less risky than, um, than than let's say you just holding out and not getting it, you know? Because there's this weird prisoner's dilemma. Like, oh, I don't get it. Other people I'm gonna, get it, and maybe I'm it'll work, work and it'll work for them. Prisoner's dilemma. Yeah, I'm gonna one up your question and say, let's say that Operation Warp Speed is a success. <laughs> Do you get the vaccine or not, you Tyler? Yeah. So, I mean, no, it's totally prisoner's dilemma. Right. So, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also susceptible to, you know, the, the peer pressures of that, that prisoner's dilemma. So, I mean, 
two things, I guess. I'm I'm not really at all at risk for having adverse effects of COVID, right? So so if you want to talk about how how we get to herd immunity more quickly, we 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 protect those that are at risk, um, and we let everyone else get it, and that's basically what we do, and then we can just forget about it. So that um, <laughs> seems wise, but we don't. Again, we're not, and this is what's concerning to me. We are not having that conversation, as far as I can tell. Almost all the sort of long term hope is around sweet yes now and they they you know they kind of made some mistakes at the beginning and let their elderly population get it like which is such a shame because seemingly they have reached some sort of functional immunity yeah i'm 90 percent sure they're done yeah and if they get through this winter we'll be sure of it but it appears that way they're all i mean i just saw a video of a guy i mean who knows i've been lying i you know i was on the internet hi i'm on the subway in stockholm no one's wearing a mask. He's like, no one's wearing masks. Kids are yeah. just playing. People are falling all over each other, making out. It's just like what you see in a big city. And it was yeah. just like, this is what life is like. Now, like there's, inevitably, there's some more to that story. Like some people are probably being more cautious and whatnot. But like seemingly, they've hit the amount. And if we could do that without putting the people at risk, like, you know, my grandma literally lives two blocks away. You know, my yeah. one of my good friends from high school is... Uh, in a wheelchair, he's quadriplegic. He's very much at risk. Like pneumonia would be very bad for him. And so sure. I simultaneously want to, I want to be very responsible for these sure. people, right? Because even if I'm yeah. not at risk, I could theoretically catch them. But at the same time, we're seemingly delaying the inevitable, but we're not, we're doing it for everyone. Whereas we should be having at risk people locked down, stay away, just, you know, be careful yeah. for a while. And the rest of us just have a giant orgy where eventually we've all got some sort of coronavirus, whether it's existing T cell immunity, new immunity, and we're sort of back in business and we're up yeah. and running. Tell me why we shouldn't all have a big orgy. Tyler, go. <laughs> I don't, it's, it sounds like fun. It really does. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I mean, we're, we're basically getting to herd immunity just by opening up college campuses. And I was, for a while, I was scared that college oh, that's campuses interesting. up. But there's a few colleges who were doing a bait and switch early on where they were opening just to collect that sweet tuition money. Mm, and then they were yeah. closing within a week or two. But, and I was afraid that was going to be the majority of campuses, but it turns out a lot of them have stayed open, which is good. I, they're being honest. It's good. Um, so yeah, we're basically going to get to effective herd immunity just, just through our college age and high school age students. So that's fantastic. Um, so think, I mean, I, I, okay. unfortunately, I mean, so everyone just sort of has to, this is, this has been the, you know, one of the hardest parts of, of the pandemic. Everyone has to kind of make that personal choice for themselves. And I'm happy that we live in a country where we have that freedom to some extent. I mean, you know, I, I would, for, for a while when it seemed like everything was maybe, uh, was again, where, where it seemed like we didn't know how bad it could be. And we might have mm-hmm. 3 million people die, 10 million people. It seemed like it could be horrible. I, I was projecting early on based on the, the numbers, we could have, you know, 20, 40,000 just in Nebraska alone die. That, that, that's, you know, what it seemed really awful early on. Um, it seemed like for, for, uh, for just a minute that, that maybe, maybe giving up some of that freedom might be in our best interest. And I'm glad, I think the, the collective wisdom of the country to not give up that freedom um, I think was, was ultimately well, the, the there, right choice. There was no, I mean, 
it didn't start out with actual lockdowns, if I remember. It was basically just people just like stopped kind of going out. It yeah, wasn't started, like there was a big law. Voices. Like the laws yeah. came after that. Am I, if yeah, I'm not mistaken, the mask mandates, like, everything came late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like people changed their behavior based on what they were seeing in the world, a significant amount. Common sense. Yeah. It, yeah. And that I made it, I made a video on Facebook said, Hey, like, we're faced with this uncertainty. Looks like it could be bad. Hopefully it isn't. But at minimum, we need to just slow down so that we can gather more information so that we can make wise decisions. That that yeah. was wise. And the, the, it kind of it like slowly changed and became something different. And well, I don't know what that is. I just like, can't believe it, it started as like 15 days to slow yeah. the spread, right? And yeah. then, you know what I'm saying? And, and I know that that was with very little information, but it turned into what it is now, which I feel is something completely different. Yeah. It, and, it's and, completely and, politicized. So unfortunately, yeah. Yep. yeah. That 15 well, and, days, the whole purpose of that was to, was to build up PPE supplies and prepare healthcare workers and hospitals for, 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 you know, for possible triage. We thought the whole country was going to turn into right. New York City, right? And New right. Jersey. And it didn't happen. It didn't. I mean, our hospitals in, in Omaha, it, I don't know exactly about Lincoln for, for sure, but I know for mm-hmm. sure at the med center, we were nowhere close to capacity ever. The only reason, if you see numbers right now that say we're close to capacity, it's because we've opened back up elective surgeries. Thank God. There were people dying of you know not being able to get right. surgery that they needed. We've opened all that back up. And so the hospital has to run, you know, in order to just break even, has to run at you know 75% right. capacity pretty much daily right so so if you see news reports that we're at 85 percent right now that's just 10 percent over what we would right. try yeah. to optimally be at i mean this I, is yeah. this is a big one um a question that i always have is the the and i know that there was like something i mean i'm sure there's been a lot of information that's come about but out about this but recently there was um something talking about like classifying everything as coronavirus when there's like you know, heart issues, you know, other issues going on and that hospitals were reporting those as COVID deaths when they actually weren't. And I don't know if you have more information on that or if you can sort of, but that we sort of incentivized hospitals reporting deaths that weren't necessarily COVID deaths. Yeah. What do you, what do you make of that? Not just the incentives, but like this probably could be related to the PCR test. Like someone, you know, it takes 40 cycle PCR to find a small amount of virus. Uh, and this person, you know, died some other way. The thing is, do we have any idea what percentage of people that story is versus the ones that like, yeah, they had a heart attack 20 years ago. So they're classified as high risk, but they just got COVID. They got on a ventilator and they died. Do we have any, any mm-hmm. way of shaking out what the kind of like real stories are below these statistics? We've never really tried to parse out cause of death to this granularity before, right? I mean, you know, for the most part, everyone dies with more than one thing wrong with them. And we just kind of take the most obvious as the, in the, the, the most proximal as the cause of death, right? That's generally how it works. And, and you know, unless you get your head chopped off or something, it's you, you probably have more than one thing wrong with you, especially... <laughs> Especially so, so most so, so so most COVID deaths are over sixty five. Just being over sixty five, uh, and, and and being a human being is already having right, yeah. comorbidities. You already have it's already you're already at risk. You have multiple things wrong with you already by the time you're sixty five. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I believe you're, you're referencing Andy that uh, I think it was actually data from the CDC that showed that maybe less than 10,000 deaths uh, that, yeah, were, were only had COVID and they didn't have anything else that, um, you know, obviously wrong with them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't make a, you know, a whole lot of, of that, I guess. Cause you know, okay. most causes, I mean, most flu deaths or most other deaths, you're probably going to have multiple things wrong with you. There, there is some truth um, okay. to, to, to having the, the incentive structure in place. There was definitely some, some federal funds flowing, especially when hospitals were being restricted from admitting, you know, their usual patients. I mean, there were hospitals needed to get all these crazy loans just to stay afloat and, right. and get federal dollars to stay afloat. So right. the more COVID patients they were treating, the more COVID cases they identified, the more federal dollars they got. So there's some truth to that too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been a, it's a, it's a hard thing to keep up with and the sort of the nature of arguing about it almost changes on a daily basis. It goes from being like, should we lock down? Should we do this? I want to wear a mask. Well, what about this? Well, how many exactly. people can I have in my restaurant? Like it's really, it, it, I mean, my business didn't particularly suffer. We had to work from home, but it like, I didn't get my restaurant shut down. Like I, cause I see yeah. the people who are really upset. They got their business actually shut down. And when you get your business shut down, you're going to be a lot more critical and maybe have higher standards because you're paying the cost personally at a high yeah. level versus if you're kind of a professional white collar, Hey, just something. Oh yeah. It's kind of an inconvenience. Got to see my kids more. Ha ha ha. Right. Sandy drinking wine. Like that's, that's, that's not, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just not as personally costly and it's kind of easier to just be like, ah, yeah, we should just always easier to tell other people how careful they should be and how much cost they should take on together. <laughs> yes. And, 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 you know, I don't know how we're going to cut like, these things, the, the, the political is sort of swallowing everything, almost like all conversations are like getting swallowed up into the political narrative, which is what really worries me about this sort of end here. Because there, for example, there is Trump. Trump is making decisions and, you know, whatever, like choosing some sort of a path and he has a position. And just the nature of that means there will be a reaction and that there will be incentives in place for people who disagree with him to want to find problems for things to go wrong, you know, and it could be in two years we're here and the Republicans are like, we need to like shut everything down and, you know, and then the other people are going, no, no, no. Our guys say this like, yeah, it's like, how do we we, take your mask off? We need to wrestle this back out of the political. That's what I think. And that's why I like conversations like this because I I want to kind of figure out what's going on without it having like seven implications down the road and always ending with Trump. Because I don't actually care about Trump. I don't think Trump has that much value to add here. Like, we need to figure this out. I didn't look to the CDC, the WHO. I saw on Twitter what was happening around the world. You know, I don't know. Like, with this conversation, it's just so, I'm failing to ask a question. It's just so toxic. And the incentives, Mm -hmm. it's so weird um, what's happening. And it just feels bad. (laughs) Just feels feels very bad. There's been a few moments in our life. I mean, so we just recently, you know, um, uh, remembered 9-11, right? There's been a few mm-hmm. moments in my life as we, you know, we, we talked before the podcast, we're all millennials, maybe just barely, mm-hmm. but we're all millennials. 
Um, we're in there. Been a, few, a few key moments in my life where, you know, it kind of, it, 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 you know, the, the, some outside big event kind of uh, erupted into my daily life and shook, you know, kind of shook everything up. 9-11 was one of those. I was mm-hmm. in sophomore year in high school. I was actually literally in journalism class. And our instructor just rolled the TV in and said, we're not having a lecture today. Watch this and write a report on it as if you're in real time a journalist. So we we saw it in real time. It was crazy. Um, and I, I thought there was a moment during this pandemic where it felt like, you know, after 9-11, where the whole country came together. I felt like the whole country was coming together. I thought we could. Mm, I was, I I was naive. Thing. I thought we could drop the bullshit. I thought we could stop all the, all the, all the politicking. I thought we could all come together and agree on something. And then. Um, it just, it didn't happen. It all, we almost all came together and sang Kumbaya and then something broke us all apart. And now it's more fractured than it was before. It's crazy. Well, We got all of these ways to politically signal, you know, it's like, like, are you, you know, going out or staying in is kind of a thing, but now like wearing a mask, it's like such a, it's again, I'm not saying that all wearing a mask is political signaling, but because it's become this sort of political issue and look, there's something to be said for it because if it was just the case that certain places, restaurants, office buildings, you name it could make rules on the behavior there. And if target decided to, to, to say, you can't come in here unless you're wearing a mask, go to Walmart and you refuse to, then you're an a-hole like, and you need to go elsewhere. Like we sort of we kind of handled this basic thing with smoking section. Like we, we've dealt with these kind of issues before where, sure. you know, yeah. people are putting other people at risk, especially inconveniencing other people. You're right. And things get very contentious when you make everyone everywhere do the same thing, right? Versus sure. letting us kind of naturally flow into places where we're comfortable and the argument being, it's such a big deal, it has to be. And that's where I, I, you know, say essentially no. Like it isn't, it's actually more important that we retain the right to uh, the First Amendment, which is the, the right yeah. to free association and to meeting yeah. together and to not have that imposed upon. I think that's actually more important than banning events of over X number of people or something like that. Like, I believe that that's more important now and that yeah. we need to understand that into the future. And that if, if, if it is one like party of people or something, it's just impractical that that actually is going to have the, the level of implications that it is. And I don't know, like, I'm curious, there's rights involved, right? There's, there's this sort of sure. principles that we have that go back a very long time and the safety bumps up against those. And I know, cause I'm a, I'm a radical person on, on the sort of libertarian freedom side. Yeah. I'm one of these people yeah. um, that for me, it, it is crucially important that we maintain rights of the first amendment, right to free speech, right to free association. These are like bedrock principles Oh yeah, yeah. and that we, that that we we understand the nature of them incurs risk. Like when anyone can say anything in a sense, that's risky. All political speech is allowed. Mm-hmm. Political speech is dangerous. Political mm-hmm. speeches cause wars. Political speeches cause genocides. It's fundamentally dangerous. But part we've made the deal in our society that the way that you're going to fight political speech is with other political speech and not yeah. with the force of law. And yeah. again, the freedom to associate is there. And I know people will sort of turn it around to like, well, look, do you really need to go to that concert? And often the answer is no. Like you can ask me, hey, 
shouldn't it be wiser if, if you stayed home for a while? And I'm probably going to say yes, because I did. We, a lot of us did that. We didn't have to be told yeah, or banned. We just, yeah, exactly. we just did it. And then yeah. we looked around, we made, we made decisions on our own about how to yeah. behave. Yeah. And it, it just feels like that's a, a way that will allow people to get along better than forcing everyone into this like single decision-making space that means conflict. It just is the case that, that there's like an all or nothing and you either win at the power and the law gets written your way or you lose, you know, I don't know. I'm curious how you think of these trades, you know, is there, what's your limit? What's your safety to freedom limit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that inherent, a lot of people don't appreciate the inherent trade-off, uh, you know, between safety and freedom, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so so again, when, when we thought this was, you know, possibly a once in a hundred year pandemic, and I think it's more like a once in a 20, 25 year pandemic. I don't think it's once in a hundred. I think it's pretty obvious now this is not, this is not the Spanish flu, right? Um, but But when we thought it was, uh, for a little bit, it was it was tempting. It was enticing to try to give up some of that freedom, and I and I'm glad that the wisdom of kind of the collective wisdom of the American people resisted. I mean, you, so I mean, th- there were a lot of public health experts, a lot of them, a lot of people I know personally who pointed to countries like China as you know and, and held them up as as a paragon for how they were handling mm. it, and and I just just thought that was that always just it drove me insane it eventually drove me insane how china handled it first of all china let it out of their country and 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 they they, 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 it screwed up the world economy so that's well they lied about it for a long time yeah they They built prison hospitals and and, and they they prosecuted the scientists and the doctors like they did everything wrong until all they could do was turn their country into a fucking prison which it is and they were good at it, okay? And there's people, because I that's what they're good at, I, is I, I turning their country into a prison. I cannot believe good there job. were people, I cannot believe there were people here in Omaha who were calling for similar draconian uh, sanctions and actions to keep people locked into their house at gunpoint. There were literally people doing that. that it's really, that it was really scary to me. But I mean, that's again, like, look, it's, it's the fear is understandable, right? Because mm-hmm. we all knew, like when you're looking, I, I remember you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, could it be three to 6% somewhere in fatality rate? If it's tripling every five days, like I, you don't have to have a math minor, which I do, uh, to figure out that that is going to get to be a big number pretty quickly. Yeah. And the, you need to like slow down and, and keep your eyes open. You know, like we were yeah, yeah, doing yeah. that. And but then like, you, I, I'm, I'm assuming you saw it. There's, there was, this is where, I, this is where I got really curious in February too, in March, it seemed to be self-limiting. There was something in the environment that was self-limiting. The, the numbers in Italy rose until they didn't. It mm. suddenly just fell off a cliff. The case counts in New York and New Jersey suddenly just fell off a cliff in China. And, and I thought China was lying about their numbers. They probably weren't. It suddenly just fell off a cliff. They probably were to well, a degree. Well, who knows? <laughs> uh, but, I, actually, I mean, China you know. China has literally stopped counting, I think. Well, and it could be, is it the fact that they built all these prison hospitals and like welded people into their apartment buildings in Wuhan? Or is it the fact that they hit this like functional immunity level and that that's what actually. Exactly. So, I mean, so, so that's where, you know, there isn't definitive proof of this yet, but if you, but if I had to place a bet on whether New Yorkers have been, so if I had to place a bet on on whether New Yorkers have been a hundred percent compliant you know, when, when I can see protests and riots breaking out for a month, 
um, or there's some sort of functional herd immunity, I know which side I'm placing the bet on. I think it's yeah. pretty obvious which side I'm placing the bet on there. It wasn't public health intervention Absolutely. that that resulted in and and the the curbing of 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 the case counts in New York. They haven't had anything. They haven't. They what they have. They have more homicide deaths now than COVID deaths. Yeah, they do. But but didn't okay. So I'm glad we started talking about China because I was going to ask a question about it earlier. Ooh, China. Yeah, I've um, probably functionally gotten banned from China. Yeah, I'm set up. If it goes, I literally just got myself. I might get assassinated at some point by the Chinese government. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, now you threw me off track. Do your uh, question about what I was going to ask is their total numbers reported are still so much lower than ours. So is that a function of what you were talking about earlier uh, with the thing that I did not understand very well, but? like they're they just aren't reporting asymptomatic people or is it a function yeah. of like them just straight up lying about uh, yeah their i probably shouldn't have brought up china in the same breath as italy um or germany or france or spain i mean so yeah china appears to really just have been straight up they just stopped reporting on cases you can just it find a day where they basically yeah, yeah. and i actually like, i actually played so i played some kind of game theory here a little bit back in april uh, back in March, April, where I, I thought for a moment we might stop reporting too. If it's if, if if there was you know legit speculation that this was you know not necessarily bioterrorism but sort of like a like a, um, a, mm, a, yeah, a I see dry run going. for bioterrorism, mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to honestly report our numbers publicly either at that point. So um, it'd be a matter of national security. Actually, that's um, really I, interesting. I mean, that's yeah. definitely. What's going to be part of the narrative with China is we basically you know, had a cold war with China at this point. Yeah, um, yeah, or yeah, good grief. Yes. So I, I also saw an article really well too. Yeah, they're <laughs> we cold don't need warring to, us really bad. They, We're going to be the ones that collapse this yeah. time. Uh, no, okay. So today, uh, to, on this point of China, uh, the, it's suspicious that there's a couple large virus laboratories in Wuhan, China seems suspicious. I mean, you sort of become aware of virus laboratories after there's a pandemic rather than before, you know, it's like the main <laughs> yeah. attraction. Unfortunately, yeah. Wuhan. That would be the wet market. Uh, no, but the, there was a paper published by what appears to be a dissident Chinese scientist. Don't have it in front of me, but it was it was arguing that this virus shows signs of in some way being manipulated in a laboratory. Um, yeah. I don't want to say created or something, but that it was a seemingly lab held virus that it was yeah. some way manipulated or you know. And in the, in the uh, do you have any? I, I, probably you've heard of this i'm curious what you know about it if you have anything to 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 teach us so i mean probably the most charitable explanation um or the most likely explanation uh um and i've talked to a few researchers about it but not nothing you know we don't i don't know anything any i don't have any yeah. light information here but um the most likely explanation would be that um th- so that this was collaborative research going on uh, there seems to be some solid evidence that it was partially nih funded so partially u.s taxpayer funded research on coronaviruses um it's it's highly likely that these viruses were being grown um in vitro in a petri dish on on some human cell line um which essentially you know uh Researchers don't really think like this. You, when you're, you're, you know, when you're doing just the hard basic science research, you're not really thinking about real life outcomes necessarily. But 
growing to learn about the virus. How does it work? What happens if this happens? Like you're just filling in empty information. You're not saying, what if this virus escaped from the lab? And then it did that. Like exactly. that's not so, where your head's at. So when you're growing it on cell lines, um, I mean, you're basically, you're training it to, to infect people instead of bats. Right. So, um, so then if it accidentally escapes on, it, it infects a researcher who doesn't follow proper PPE protocol or whatever accidentally gets loose in the wild. Now it's, it's been basically trained. It's been, you know, you've had generations of it cycled on human tissue or on human cells. Um, it would now be primed to infect humans. So ha- I'm curious, have you seen or read this paper that I believe it was just in the last couple of days that came out? And or is your opinion here kind of it's somewhat professional in that you've talked to people, but but like just sort of a general, hey, if I had to flip a coin, I would lean towards it probably escape from a laboratory. Like, how, how, how do you how do you stack this up? Yeah, I don't have any um, I don't have any concrete evidence either way. My inclination is that it probably escaped accidentally. I mean, there were so when I did research at the Med Center, there were a number of, of students um, and you you would have students in this case doing you know part of the research. A number of students who end up getting infected with with the agent they were doing research on. It, it happens. You have you know you, if you, you you go in late at night to do like a, a media change or something to 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 your cells, and you don't you know you don't follow a hundred percent proper protocol, you can end up getting infected. So mm. I, I think I think it's purely okay. accidental. That's interesting. Um, but 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 I think I, I mean if I had to you know again game theorying it out, I think. Um, China definitely has used, has taken, you know, information, gleaned information from how this spread. They're definitely using it as, um, I don't know that I don't have any, again, no special knowledge that they're going to say we're wading into geopolitics to a depth that I think is, we're all kind of floating. It's out of of my depth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's plausible. Absolutely. It's interesting to wonder about. And it, it always struck me as. I, like the word cons- for something to be a conspiracy or conspiracy theory or just something to not match the sort of prescribed story of a thing is somewhat what's totally taboo right now. And there's just there's a lot of dumb conspiracy theories. There's also conspiracies that happen or just like screw ups, you know, yeah, I think we sometimes exactly. overestimate our ability to like control things or to say with certainty how things happen because it, it seems unlikely that um you know china maliciously attacked themselves in the hope that it would hit but it, it what well, doesn't make a lot of yeah, sense you know it, it, it has all the things of an accident and i, I, I nothing yep. makes more sense than the chinese communist party not copying to the mistake that they made and exactly. taking on an embarrassment like communism and embarrassment don't just roll off the tongue you know this is the whole <laughs> Like this is, I, I, my hypothesis is that this is China's Chernobyl. Hypothesis is too strong of a word. My, no, that's, uh, that's what I was calling it two months like, ago. Yeah, this is exactly yeah. it. And, and, and at, at least Russia kept it contained by throwing hundreds of Russian bodies at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they sort horrible, of nobly, you know. They, they, they kept it contained, yeah. But it was the nature of the way that they operate. I would argue that in the, the fundamental weaknesses of, communism or that everyone's interest is in covering their ass and not in the actual truth of the world. (laughs) And that that sort of leads to these like metastasizing uh, bureaucratic problems where 
you have Chernobyl happening when if they weren't, if there wasn't lying all the way down where they were literally redacting their own scientific papers as part of this lying conspiracy to make themselves look better, that they kept yeah. the actual information from the scientists that needed it. And then they had a catastrophic accident. We don't know how it happened here, but we know that they lied a lot, yeah. that they basically went yeah. after the people internally that were trying to tell the truth. And that we now have a worldwide pandemic when yeah potentially we need not have yeah. if when they knew something they would have acted or said something as opposed to yeah. trying to sort of like save face and cover yeah, it up. Yeah, but we team. don't, we do not want to go to war with China. Obviously. No, <laughs> war is bad. I don't want to go so to war like, with what are your What are your other options? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. If, well, if I it, don't know if that it that is the end... case that, if it is the case that any of that, you know, is true. That's, a really good question. How do you punish China? So this, yeah, you, it's easy to be like, well, I'm not buying that Chinese stuff. It's like, okay, like, do you think the random person working in that factory is has anything to do with the Chinese Communist Party's like totalitarian grip over how information flows in and out of the country? No. And if, if you stop buying that widget, are you materially affecting that? Probably not. Like, it's really hard to act in such a way that hurts the elites instead of the regular people, the uh, common folk who don't have the political power. Yeah, you're, you're right. Things are set up that way for a reason. The elites don't want to be the ones that are like- Wait a second. Are, are you saying elites? Our elite, elite, okay. the, the elite, the elite. Sorry, I've elite. always heard it as elite. Uh, yeah, so I would I tend like, to what? say elite. Um, you're just not- elite enough, Andy. You've never- I, I, guess, Yeah, I, I guess You need to get enlightened. That's the issue, yeah. So- Let's look we'll at your proper look, pronunciation let, of elites. <laughs> this is elites want to be insulated for China. Look, I, I don't think we're going to figure it out. Uh, we're not. Yeah, we're not the the elites of China. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do, what I'm saying is I don't I don't see a real way to address that, and I'm not even sure if we'll ever actually know that. Mm. Okay, if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I think you're right. Now, what else I think is that we're running out of time here. And yeah. as we're on the a bit of a stretch podcast, I think we all need to uh, make some predictions about the future that are probably, you know, a bit of a stretch. Are they yeah. going to be right? No, they're not uh, going to be right. I've read it uh, a <laughs> Let's try to be less wrong into the future and uh, just look out into, I don't know, winter, spring something COVID related. What do you guys think? What is something that you see that you see materializing? It doesn't have to be that it's numbers, nothing, but like what, what is coming next? Because we've been blindsided here by so much of this, right? Like help me see what's around the corner. Tyler, do you see anything coming at us? Make a, a crazy prediction here. Yeah. First, before I make my crazy prediction, I just, I just want to say one thing, if I may, that so th this pandemic has really highlighted the essential workers from the non-essential and uh, there's a lot of jobs out there that we thought were non-essential uh, um, and it turns out there's essential mm. i mean we got people working in grocery stores and and uh meat processing plants all of that stuff um <laughs> delivery i went out like a week without steak it was rough all of that <laughs> stuff it turns out is extremely essential daycare workers you know on top mm -hmm. of responders in hospital and all of that it turns out that what I do, and anyone else who's able to work from home, 
it's probably you're probably less essential actually. Yeah, <laughs> if you're looking at a computer screen for work, it's not essential. I, I just uh, want to give a shout out to all of our actual essential workers. I just want to thank you again. Indeed, kind of we didn't do again. we haven't been doing that salute for a while. I know in Europe, I had friends in Madrid that was like a nightly salute. But yes, really? it That's is a salute cool. because there's a ton. They were doing. I, I mean, these are these sort of touched the line for me where they're like these sort of official regimented celebrations. They can get a little weirdly 1984, but there's sure. the heart of the matter, which is we do have people putting themselves in the line and it isn't just healthcare workers. It is healthcare no. workers. They did, but it's a ton of other people. Yeah, uh, daycare. Now you could argue teachers, daycare. Yeah, yeah. A lot of places where like we need you for society to function. Okay. Hey, good reminder. Good, good shout out to the good people of the world. Now forget all that goodness and make a prediction that is both outrageous and definitely a bit of a stretch. Ah, man. I mean, I've been saying for at least a month now that COVID's magically going to go away depending on how the election falls in November. It's just going to be a non-issue suddenly. Maybe that's not a big enough stretch, I guess. Um, So so here's a prediction that I, I made in April that didn't pan out yet and still might. And I can't believe Trump hasn't done it. I think okay. this would have guaranteed his reelection. So in April, I foresaw we were going to have, uh, you know, a large number, millions of unemployed 18 to 25 year old men in the country. And I was worried about what might happen this summer if we didn't do something with them. And, uh, you know, I was wrong about uh, the the nature of the riots, but we had riots break out throughout the country, largely on the back of 18 and 25 year old men. Um, my prediction is that uh, that that if Trump gets reelected, he will he will finally do this. He should have done this already. I can't believe he didn't. He 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 strikes some sort of New Deal type um, uh, uh, agreement with the American people and brings back. You know, he's been talking about this for a while anyway. Critical manufacturing. Um, infrastructure, things like that. He should have done that already. A big building project, essentially, like almost like a new deal, put America to work thing. Yeah, this seemed like it was obvious for him. We could have had 18, 25-year-olds getting paid instead of burning cities down. Would have been great. (laughs) Building bridges, hypothetically. Okay. okay. He's he's working on that vaccine, so he doesn't have time for He's swamped. He pops (laughs) up his mask. You know, I get it. Good grief. All right, Andy, what's coming down the pipe for us? Oh my gosh! Are I we have all no going to die? Are we going to get hit by a meteor? What's the next question. catastrophe? You, I have no idea. <laughs> I do. That's I do a, agree that um, that that. Well, I don't know. I I think that after the election, depending on who gets elected, some of this might die down. But I could also envision a scenario, you know, where. I mean, especially if Trump gets elected, um, I feel like. That's going to be bad. Um, oh, and not yeah, just because yeah, I don't but... like him as the president, because of the reaction, the, the equal and opposite reaction. You know what Indeed. I mean? Indeed. So um, I could envision a scenario with, you know, literal war on the streets in some places, more so than we've Jeez, you're getting dark seen. here, man. I was just hoping for like a... Oh, you want like a like, what? Like Madonna's going to release gonna be... a new song or something? Like what? Are, what are you got to run with that you one. Want here? I don't yeah, know. Madonna's going to make a big comeback. We've already got more in the streets, man. <laughs> Dude, I don't. You said outrageous. Like it. It's a yeah. bit of a. It is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, right? it's a, that's a bit so, of a stretch. That's yeah. fair enough. Um, I'm so just. I, I'm fearful of what might happen. I hypothesize, Andy. I, I want to see if you agree that the best way to bring the country together would be 
Biden Harris winning, and then in the next couple of years, all the states turning to Republican governors. <laughs> said said the same. I said the exact same okay. thing to my wife like a nice. week ago. So yeah, yep. Okay, I don't have that. I think Biden needs to win. Political analysis. So. That Biden needs to win? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. And all the states uh, GOP on their governor. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you're right. I don't know that it's good that, but I don't know. It's just, I'm not feeling great about Biden. He seems to be like half clueless and that he's sort of tied to this like unrest, you know? It, it, well, saying you're not feeling way. great. I mean, who, who, who are you going to feel no, great I, No, I mean, about? feeling great about like his great. chances. It feels like another oh, version gotcha. of Hillary Clinton. Like you're I running gotcha. this Achilles okay. heel person. Like, yeah. uh, you know, that. Yeah. Like, I thought you were like, well, he's uh, not a very no. good candidate. Well, I actually, no, I don't, you know, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's great there either. But it's just like, they're, they're struggling. Like, where's your Obama? I mean, get it. Obama was a great politician, but like. Come on, like, do you have anyone with a little more vigor, you know, to put out here that could like sort of, I, I almost like, it's literally this weird 50s like comedy routine, like Abbott and Costello or something. It's just this <laughs> bizarre, like this, this, like it's like a Saturday Night Live, you don't, anyway. Are, are you just trying to there. get off the hook about making your outrageous Yeah, I need to make an outrageous prediction. Um, you didn't think about prediction. this, did you? Pandemic doubles, everyone dies. no. The, I do, uh, I I do think that people are very much wearing out on this and that post election, honestly, I think either way, this isn't going to have enough mileage because we're going to actually be approaching, like we're hitting these immunity levels, whether we like it or not, that it's going, it's just going to sort of go away in the way that news stories go away and I don't know that it's that far out there, but, you know, again, we were seeing X number of new positives, all this stuff, but that's, it, 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 they're scary numbers, but, but the sort of on the ground, practical, scary stuff is a lot fewer and far between now. And I think that, I think that after the election, it's either way, but I, even if Trump wins, I don't think that this has mileage. And look, this is no sort of special prediction. Wait, what specifically um, doesn't have mileage if Trump wins? What's COVID? I don't think COVID has okay. more, much more mileage. Like it, there, it's it has mileage right now because it's it's part of the election, right? It's well, part people of the narrative of Trump and blowing people it. like eighty twenty hate the way that he's handled it, or seventy thirty. It's something crazy, like a yeah, crazy and, ratio. But that's of, almost across the board. But that is right. bad for him. You're right. I totally agree. That's not good for him. Yeah. I think but after the election, then it's like what? Like this is going to be. There's going to be new store. There's going to have to be new stores. Yeah. 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 I think it was pretty. Uh-huh. I think the numbers were were not as bad, but they were still bad for the the way the CDC's handled it. Too. I think it was maybe yeah. sixty percent or something. Well, you first. hope they do better. I mean, they spent the beginning of it like putting out a test that didn't work, trying to go after the University of, I believe it was University of Washington for actually doing a test that actually seemed to work. And we had one here too that worked at the med center. Yeah, yeah. And what are these guys doing? What's their actual job? I don't know. Yeah. Wash uh-huh. my hands of that, Tyler. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, appreciate thanks, having you. Really flew by. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, can I tell you guys? Uh, I was gonna do. I kept waiting for like a moment to do this because my plan was to just like kind of be quiet and sit here and just wait until like like this. This was just ideally if it worked out in my mind. And then Luke, you were gonna like throw it to me and be like, Andy, you have any questions? And then I was gonna try to like for real seriously ask 
Uh, Tyler, yes, I have a question. Tyler, um, is it true that if you contract coronavirus, you begin to crave human flesh? And uh, I was really hoping that I would get a moment to do that. And then I was going to like throw Before it aside. Before he got to be- know us. He's like, okay, <laughs> what kind of podcast did I agree to come on here? Exactly. On I was zombies. <laughs> it was uh, like a, like an Andy Kaufman thing. And then I was going to, uh, and then I was going to be like, okay, no, no. And I have a serious one. And then I was going to say, okay, look, my mother-in-law got coronavirus and she's fine. What kind of disease do I have to give my mother-in-law? To- <laughs> How did anyway. we get rid of this woman? <laughs> like, I love my mother. I love my mother. Of yours? Deeply, oh, deeply man. love my mother. All right. Well, next time, Andy, you'll get to ask all the questions that you I want. know. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't get a good Tyler, moment for that. So. Thanks for coming on here. Uh, we should do this again at some point in the future. We'll have to check in on these uh, predictions, maybe after the election and get the uh, sort of we, we, we owe it to our future large number of listeners to do a postmortem on COVID another six months, 12 months down the line where we can go back in time and say, what have we learned and what can we do better next time? But for right now, we're all still in the middle of screaming at each other like a bunch of raving lunatics. And that's the actual virus that's actually afflicting us. Uh, But we hope to see you at the next episode of Bit of a Stretch. Tyler, thanks. Andy, thanks. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys. God bless.